Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Joining us on 710KURV <laughs> is a fellow Astros fan. Uh, yeah. Scott Braddock from the Quorum Report up in Austin. What's up, he gents? joins us now because, uh, well, we need to we need to we need to tie down the the property tax story, and then yeah. we need to talk about school vouchers and what's happening with Paxton. Paxton. Where would you Paxton, like to start? Definitely, I think we should start with, with Paxton, and I think it's uh, one of the most significant things that will happen all year. Not that the other things aren't important, but you do have the lieutenant governor saying that the lawyers on all sides of this. Uh, need to shut up and not talk about this in the media anymore. You saw <laughs> that uh, he issued a gag order, as a judge would do in a trial, right? Um, and this is why it's significant in my mind. Yesterday, I, I wanted to give Patrick credit. Um, you know, I had said publicly that I think he's taking this seriously. It looks like, you know, he's at least trying to create the perception that this is going to be treated fairly, you know, that, that both sides will get, uh, you know, to make their their case. But here's the thing. He issued that gag order on the day before it was disclosed that he accepted $3 million from supporters of Paxton, the, the group called Defend Texas Liberty. Uh, it's, a, it's a political action committee that has been spending uh, a ton of money against Republican House members by running billboards in their district saying that they're corrupt somehow for voting for, for to impeach um, Ken Paxton. Um, they gave him, Davis, a $1 million check, and they also gave him a $2 million loan. Um, and for the and for the and of course you know if you get a loan from one of these groups you have to fill out paperwork it's not like a passive thing right um, it, he he raised about four million for the reporting period so the bulk of what he got was from people who are dedicated to trying to have Paxton be exonerated here um, and so I think this is creating uh, within the Senate um, a lot of real stress I mean I'm hearing that uh, senators are very concerned about how that looks. Uh, to have the person who will be, as you know, uh, Zach, it's going to be uh, the lieutenant governor who sort of serves as the judge, and the senators are the jury uh, for the trial of Ken Paxton that's coming up uh, in September. And for him to have accepted that money, I, I, I do my best to not sound hyperbolic here, but I'll, I'll say it this way. A veteran of the legislative process put it this way to me this morning. He said, if, if this is not corruption, I don't know what is. Well, Davis Rankin, go ahead. Well, uh, what if we just describe it to a mammoth um, error in judgment? And he goes, oh, my goodness, what have I done? Like that scene at the end of the Bridge on the River Kwai, what have I done? <laughs> he goes, ah, yeah. okay, yeah, you're right. right. Got to give it yeah. back. Well, I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really unbelievable. And think about it this way. Now the lieutenant governor is not you know, commenting on the fact that he took all this money from these Paxton supporters, um, and he basically is saying, uh, the, the, you know, the reason being he can't comment on it is because he issued a gag order. He can't talk about anything related to Paxton. Oh, right. Gosh. So it's, so it's, if, it's as if he muzzled himself and at the same time would have muzzled some of his chief critics about this, which would be the folks who are representing the uh, House impeachment managers. And 
you know, you have the, uh, you know, powerhouse attorneys from Houston uh, on both sides of this, by the way, who are, uh, you know, probably chomping at the bit. You yeah. want to be able to talk about this. Uh, Dick DeGaron and Rusty Harden, legendary uh, attorneys from Houston, uh, who are going to be prosecuting Paxton in this trial. Uh, and I'm sure they would have some choice words about this, but they can't say anything because the judge in the case who just accepted $3 million from supporters of the defendant in the case right, has said that no one can talk about it. <laughs> um, it's pretty it wild. Is. Go ahead, David. Before um, we switch topics. Well, I'm I'm just kind of floored by that. It's wild. Maybe he knows that Paxton's toast and he might as well get the money anyway. He's already done a head count. He knows it's not going to change. And Uh, we're talking with Scott Brennick from the Quorum Report. When is the when is the trial supposed to start, Scott? It's supposed to start in the beginning of September. And everything we understand about this is that it will last probably about two and a half weeks, something like that. And then after that, you'll get uh, your debate about school vouchers uh the uh the top advisor for the governor dave carney said that they're gonna uh bring up school vouchers probably in october okay but so how gonna... is that going let's talk about the vouchers david i don't want to talk about the vouchers but go well, ahead. What, what we've, we've, we've moved on we've moved on let's talk about the vouchers so what's so <laughs> yes so they're thinking about another I'm not special about to session get between you guys on what to ask <laughs> I'm the lead here. He's supposed to be following me. Okay. Uh, all right. We're, ta- I'm following we're talking, both of you. Ab- we're talking yeah. about vouchers here. And uh, <laughs> so what, wh- where do we leave off on the vow- on the voucher thing? I know that we're talking about having another special session later this year about it, but uh, where do we yeah. leave off on it? I mean, we left off with the Texas House being almost unmoved uh, at all by the governor's arguments that he's been making all year long uh, to try to convince Republicans, particularly those Republicans from uh, rural Texas who have been staunchly opposed to any uh, diversion of funding from public uh, education uh, in their areas. They don't want to see that happen uh, for a school voucher program. And the numbers in the House look about like they did at the beginning of the year. I think that you know there may be some folks who might be persuaded. And the governor has certainly not um, made the he, – he hasn't indicated uh, that he would accept any small school voucher program. He wants something that looks more like a – quote unquote, universal school voucher program. You might remember that during the regular session, um, there was a proposal uh, in the Texas House that would have done this. It would have uh, it would have created um, a voucher program for students who have special needs and for students who are at F rated campuses in the state. Now, you have heard those uh, school voucher proposal uh, uh, proponents say for years what what they want to do is get kids out of, quote, failing schools, right? So when there was a proposal to do exactly that, and that would amount to something like 750,000 to 800,000 kids out of the 5.6 million or so that we have uh, in Texas public education, um, when there was a proposal to do that, to get kids out of, quote, failing schools, the governor said he would veto that. And so I so I, I don't know that there's any real wiggle room here uh, for any kind of a, a proposal that could pass through the Texas House. I do suspect that if there was a proposal to increase public education funding, that's through something they call the basic allotment, that's the per student funding, uh, and also have a teacher pay raise, put all that in a bill with a small school voucher program, I think that might pass the Texas House. But it sounds like the governor's not interested in that. He wants a big school voucher program that millions of kids would be eligible for. And I just don't see that the votes are there for it. I'm I'm not sure what, uh, what the strategy is here. Dave Carney, who is the uh, chief political strategist for Abbott, said that they're working on this every day, that, you know, come October, they'll be ready to go and they'll get their work done on that. 
um, he's sounding a lot more optimistic than than I would be if I was in his job, uh, because according to the numbers, um, it just doesn't look like uh, the House is interested. I just wonder, is it more effective to campaign over the summer, or is it more cam- uh, more effective to campaign when everybody's in school and they're too busy to go out and hear some of these messages for or against? No one's listening now. Right? No All one's right. listening now. So when, when is the they're best not. time to talk about this? I'll tell you, that's the right question. But the, but, the, but the options you offered are the wrong ones. The time to campaign about it would be during the campaign. He should have been talking about this when he was running for re-election last year. If he really wanted to build support for it, I mean, and I'll give you the example uh, of how his proposal did not work out on property taxes. Remember that the governor came out at the end of the regular session and said that what he wanted the legislature to do was pass a bill that only focused on what we call uh, tax compression, which is having the state buy down local property taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had not done any of the groundwork to create um, you know, uh, a mandate for that. Uh, people did, Most people didn't even know what he was talking about. When I would go uh, talk to different groups around the state, smart people, wonderful people, nice people, and I would just say, raise your hand if you even know what tax compression means. The vast majority of people don't know because he hasn't done the work to uh, educate folks about it. They never came up with a, a catchy name for it. Why not call it buying down local property taxes? I mean, people could at least maybe understand that. Uh, but instead, he's chosen to that this governor. He wants to die on the hill of all these niche things. It's, it's sort of a niche thing to say, oh, we're going to do tax compression. or We're going to do school vouchers, which, you know, you, you travel around rural Texas. People don't even really know or care what that is. If you ask people, are you for school choice? They'll say yes, because that's a marketing thing. It sounds good. You know, oh, choice is always best. It's always the best. Right. Um, but if you tell people that it's going to take money away from their local schools, which in rural Texas, that's the heart of the local community and often the biggest employer in the county. Well, that starts to sound a lot worse than uh, something that's been you know, dressed up as school choice. Yeah. And that's the thing that makes it hard about these niche topics is that if, if you have to throw out two or three subsequent questions to explain the first term, it's not a good mm-hmm. term to use. Right. If, if there's further explaining on this topic, there's no point in, in, no. in th- having Carl, that be the buzzword of the topic that you're campaigning. Carl, on. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Carl, Rove, Carl Rove told me told, when I went to a campaign seminar when I was involved, he said, if you're explaining, you're backing up. You don't want to have to yes. put yourself in a position of having to explain because then. Yeah. You know, and, and the governor spent a lot of time trying to explain this, um, you know, this the school choice proposal traveling around the state talking to you know crowds in rural communities but um to be able to really sell it to an entire state it's not as if he didn't have millions and millions of dollars in his campaign war chest last year when he was running against beto o'rourke to explain it to people but he didn't and i'm here to tell you why because people are not in favor of school vouchers in rural texas and rural texas is the it's the it's the backstop for republicans statewide Mm -hmm. Right. That, you can bank something like a million extra votes for Republicans in rural Texas. So if you ever have um, a close election, which we didn't have last year, but we did in 2018, it was rural Texas in 2018 that saved Ted Cruz and saved you know our other statewide office holders. And, you know, it's interesting, too, is that the party will say that these guys are the ones that are the rhinos because they're getting in the way of the agenda. They're getting in the way of the plan. Uh, Davis, yeah. last question for Scott Braddock of the Corn Report before we go. So how does rural Texas receive the news reported by the Houston Chronicle today that the governor told Texas DPS troopers, am I right? Push them mm-hmm. back in the water. Push that them back the, in the water. Yeah, I'm not sure. That was the uh, interpretation, apparently, at least, of uh, some folks who work for DPS along the border, you know, carrying mm-hmm. out the border security operations. 
um, sort of a whistleblower moment, uh, somebody uh, turning over uh, this document that was an email from a trooper uh, who said that uh, it was their understanding that what they were supposed to, bo- to you know, supposed to do is push these kids back in the river and that they also found a pregnant woman caught up in some uh, razor wire and had a miscarriage. And so, and so you start to wonder this. You start, I start to wonder this six billion dollars spent on border security mm-hmm. by this state and for what people still come across the border there has not been um, you know some slowdown the same exact people who support spending all that money are the ones who point to the fact that we still have migrants flowing in uh, across the border and so uh, it, it's pretty clear to me that yes you do need a secure border but it's also clear that what we're doing is not working don't you think it's poison i mean if if, if the governor is not culpable somebody needs to and uh, we got to go somebody needs to make that clear because that's poison i think we yeah anyway. not good well unfortunately davis your question was supposed to be the final question and that's the end of our time this segment i appreciate your time comment. here with us <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot scott appreciate it and another thing from the core report <laughs> god bless davis i'm trying to close the segment here thank you very much this is news talk 710 kurv your 956 drive home You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710-KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. As you've noticed outside, dear listener, as you may be outside right now, it's hot outside. And that's affecting that affects everybody in, a, in, in very different ways. Joining us on 710-KURV to talk about this and uh, to also help us with the upcoming athletic season, because I know a lot of us are preparing for that, is... Uh, Dr. James Castillo, the Cameron County Health Authority, who's our guest right now. So as far as, and let me throw this out there, and I, and I apologize if this is like a, if this catches you off guard, but the, have you been seeing a lot of people coming in for uh, uh, succumbing to anything heat exhaustion related? Yeah, there's definitely, I have not personally, but there's definitely been uh, plenty of ER visits due to, to heat, uh, you know, exhaustion or heat stroke. Heat stroke is when it gets real serious where a person's body just can't cool itself off anymore. And, and that is where you got to call 911. So, yeah, I think across the valley there's been people ending up in the ER uh, for one reason or another. Definitely, you know, uh, people who are more vulnerable are more likely to end up in the ER. What is the difference between heat exhaustion and heat stroke? Sure. Heat exhaustion is like the prelude to it. That's your first warning. So people start excessively sweating, they might get nauseous, get muscle cramps, feel faint or dizzy, but their brain's still working, they haven't passed out, they're still sweating, right? And their body temperature is, is probably still maintaining, but the body's about to, you know, lose its ability to cool off. Once you get the heat stroke, the body can't cool itself off anymore. You might 
stop sweating. The skin turns red and hot. Temperature goes in the body. Temperature goes up 103, 104, like you've got a fever. Uh, the brain might start, you know, stop working, severe headache, confusion. And, and at that point, that'll, that'll require emergency medical attention for IV fluids and cooling. What kind of a, a, tip, a ticking clock are we up against when that happens? Um, well, the, the, the higher that temperature goes and if the brain's not working and your organs start failing, uh, you know, at that point you're talking, you know, hours, uh, until you start getting into permanent damage. So getting that person out of the heat, cool them rapidly because they're, they're usually not sweating anymore at that point. Uh, they've, they've become dehydrated, their body's overwhelmed. So get them out of the heat, get them into a, a cool place, douse them with cool water. Uh, you know, basically trying to lower that, that core temperature, uh, not dunking anybody in an ice bath or anything like that, but just trying to get them wet so that they can, um, they can start getting that heat off their body is the first thing and calling 911 so they could, you know, get there and start bringing the person uh, to the hospital. Joining us on 710 KURV, the Cameron County Health Authority, Dr. James Castile, we're talking about heat exhaustion right now. And how, how does this, uh, how does this get more, severe as as we get older how, how do we become more vulnerable as we get older well as i mean as you get older your body starts having issues uh with you know basic functions but uh, definitely maintaining its temperature is one of them but also you're more likely to be taking some medications that might interfere with your body's ability uh to control things like blood pressure medications or diuretics you know pills that uh, purposely are getting rid of extra water from your body say you know for your heart or kidney problems and uh, if you're diabetic all of those things can really interfere with the body's ability to uh to maintain its temperature and keep keep the organs working davis rankin uh, go ahead you had your hand up i'm sorry you said diabetic being di <clears throat> diabetic makes it harder for your body to regulate temperature did i hear that right yeah absolutely yeah if you're diabetic you, you're going to have issues um you know usually uh with your circulatory system with your kidneys uh you might wow. be more likely to be taking certain medications that you know just make you your body have an issue responding to stress if if, if you get is there anything particularly dangerous about putting somebody in a bathtub, filling with water and, and um, ice until the ambulance gets there to take them to the hospital? Yeah, you wouldn't want to shock a person with, with uh, like an ice bath necessarily, especially old you know, older people or, you know, little children, babies or anything like that. Usually a, a younger, healthy person could probably tolerate it, but it's generally uh, not necessary. What you just want to do is get them uh, just into the air-conditioned space, you know, get those clothes okay. off of them, and then, you know, douse them with, with cool water. And you're just trying to bring the body temperature down to the normal level. You don't need to make, uh, you don't need to freeze a person. But you're just trying to get that that, that high fever down, yeah. uh, so that way you're, you're pr pr protecting those organs. Have you ever, uh, this is not um, trying to get your business, but I one time worked outside and got I went inside to get some water, and then I didn't go back outside because I was overwhelmed. Uh, have you ever had anything close close experience that gave you a real real experience about what to look for? Uh, me, me personally, yes. 
uh, you know, probably I think everybody's forgotten to, you know, stay hydrated. You know, staying hydrated in temperatures like this means drinking one cup of water every 15 minutes. Wow. Right? If you think about that, that's like, you know, what is that? Of the 16-ounce bottles, that's two of those per hour. Uh, or one one bottle of water every half hour, and, and I think that that's that's, yeah. that's probably a challenge uh, to stay adequately hydrated. And uh, you know, if you're out there cutting the grass or you know exerting yourself or playing sports, you know that can really easily get a, get away from you. So yeah, I've I've definitely been there before, and every time it happens, you you like getting a sunburn. You know, it's like you kick mm-hmm. yourself and say, I shouldn't have done that. I should know better. <laughs> um, but, uh, people who are more vulnerable, you know, uh, they may not get that warning, you know, they may, you know, go from okay to collapse more quickly uh, and, and, and definitely younger children, babies, uh, older adults, um, you know, or people who don't have access to shelter or, uh, don't have access to air conditioning, uh, are, are definitely more at risk. Well, what about, what about, we're, uh, we're joined football by, players? We're joined by Dr. James Castillo, the Cameron County Health Authority, joining us on 710KURB. We're talking about heat exhaustion. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So we've got the, the athletic season upon us, football, soccer, I think, uh, band for sure. You know, all these kids are going to be yeah. out there. And what are some, what's some advice to keep in mind? Yeah, that's about the, the clothing, the times of the day. I mean, having those practices early in the morning, later in the evening uh, definitely helps. Uh, keeping hydrated, making sure they have access to those kind of, that kind of hydration, wearing the right kind of, right kind of clothes. And, and then if it's just too much, I mean, if the temperatures just go too high, uh, sometimes that's as bad as having a, you know, sometimes you just can't play in that weather like it's a major thunderstorm. Uh, it's just not doable, but um, you know I think most most athletic programs really are are very conscious of that. Nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. Oh, uh, one more question about sports drinks. Davy and I have been <laughs> we've been arguing about this kind of about the electrolytes and the amount of sugar that a lot of sports drinks have. Any any recommendations on avoiding the sugar factor and keeping your electrolytes up? Yeah, well, I mean, sugar, like just raw sugar, I don't think anybody's going to say that's good for you. Um, but definitely uh, those those drinks for athletes are really exerting themselves. I mean, that's how Gatorade was invented. I think that's an invention from University of Florida <laughs> for their athletics program. Um, but, uh, yeah, the sugar is probably the part that doesn't need to be there. I'm not saying artificial sweeteners are necessarily better, but those electrolytes, you're always losing the salts out of your body when you're sweating. Um, so replenishing that, especially if you're, you know, a performance athlete, you know, keeping balanced and hydrated, that's what's going to keep you operating at the best performance. But for, for most people, if you're just talking about being outside in the heat here or there, this is not something where you're, you know, exerting yourself and, and trying to operate at peak performance. You know, mm-hmm. water is the most important thing. But if you're going to yeah. be, you know, losing electrolytes, you know, day after day after day, uh, yeah, those sports, those things are calibrated to try to keep, you know, prevent cramps and keep muscles working. All right, Dr. James, thanks a lot. Thank Stay you. hydrated out there. That's Dr. Yeah. James Castillo, the Cameron County Health Authority, joining us on News Talk 710K URV. This is your 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710K URV and KURV.com. 
News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a in this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. We're going to talk about the Internet of Things and... Is that internet? First off, what is the Internet of Things, and is that another thing to worry about huh. in making you vulnerable to cyber attacks? Joining us on seven ten K U R V from darkboxsecurity.com, expert on tech and data and all things cybersecurity. Andrew Sternke joins us on your nine five six drive home. So let's let's start with some um, basic definitions here. What is considered the Internet of Things? Thermostats, refrigerators, cameras smart speakers, um, you know, uh, watches, uh, things like that. That's a lot of stuff. And part of, part of your answer may have gotten cut off, but it's basically any appliance that's connected to the Internet for any for whatever reason, to be completely honest. Now, do these, uh, as you accumulate more of these devices, do they open you up to an, an exponential amount of uh, cyber attacks as you collect them? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely does, unfortunately. You know, it, it just, you know, allows um, nefarious actors to access, you know, your, your, your personal life, your personal data. And so, um, you know, that, that is a concern that, um, you know, that we're trying to address. And what are some of the things that, what kind of data can they pull from the Internet of Things that exists at your house? Yeah, so, um, you know, just a variety of things, everything from, you know, your your birth date, uh, your personal uh, name, um, your your home address, um, you know, the, the type of things that you tend to search on the Internet. Um, you know, if you've got Alexa or things like that, you know, they could listen to what you're you're asking, you know, the data that's on that. Um, you know, it, it, it's all sorts of things. And, and even, for instance, you know, if you use uh, one of those uh, robot vacuum cleaners, you can get, you know, a perfect layout of your home. Wow. So there's just all sorts of information that, um, you know, one can obtain. And, and the concern here is not just your information, but they may be using your information to set up a a social engineering attack on an individual that you know that would have access to um, better data. Joining us on 710KURV, cybersecurity expert Andrew Sternke. Davis Franken, go ahead with your question. Just because it's possible doesn't mean someone's going to take advantage of it, but there's we, we've all heard the warnings about um, somebody, somebody hacking into the power grid or uh, dams and opening up the floodgates. Um, why why haven't uh, why haven't uh, our enemies in this world taken advantage of their ability to hack into things just to just to create mischief yeah so um 
regarding that, I mean, it's just because you have not seen it done does not mean that it did not happen. Okay. Um, you know, fortunately, our, our government's very good at um, keeping the checks away from the public in, in order to, you know, not create any sort of um, fear or anything like that. But um, unfortunately, you know, this type of stuff does happen. Uh, you know, most recently on national news, you know, we had, you know, back several years ago, you know, the, the pipeline being hacked. Um, and more recently, uh, you know, we've had all these uh, hospitals and universities uh, systems being hacked. And so, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, we're seeing more uh, state actors that are sponsoring these attacks. And, and because that's happening, uh, you know, we may see more and more things that, you know, that, that actually affect, you know, our everyday lives. Tell us more about what the White House is doing to kind of make everybody feel a little bit more safe about it. And is, are, are they really even doing anything? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, fortunately, the White House is, is really pushing um, just a, a lot of uh, cybersecurity um, issues to the forefront. Um, so, for instance, specifically with these consumer devices, um, you know, we're seeing a push for a labeling of these devices just so that consumers are aware, okay, this device that I'm getting, um, it has, you know, you know, a certain level of cybersecurity uh, within it, which, which is good. But at the same time, uh, there's dangers to that because, uh, you know, we'll just assume that the device is secure when it's really not. Because we have to remember that within the cybersecurity world, um, you know, things are always constantly evolving. And so, uh, you know, one of the solutions that we always tell our clients is, you know, whenever you get that pop-up message on your uh, computer or your device or your cell phone that says, you know, update ready for install, make sure you install those updates because those are, um, you know, basically patches for various um, security issues. Joining us on 710KURV, Andrew Sternke is a cybersecurity expert from darkboxsecurity.com. So with all of the different um, threats that are out there, cyber threats that are out there, what are some simple things that we can do? And what are some of the, what are some of the big pitfalls to watch out for? I know email is a big one where e even, even I, who am a little bit more you know, trained to spot these things out, where I'll see an email from like UPS or somebody posing as the bank and they want all sorts of information. You know, how, how do we stay vigilant in this? Um, yeah, so, you know, one way to stay vigilant is just, just make sure you, you keep yourself up to date on the most current cybersecurity news. Um, you know, that, that, that's a big one, just self-education. Another one is, you know, never reuse usernames or passwords. Um, uh, that's an issue that we, we see a lot. And when you're setting up a password, always make sure that you use a, uh, a, a password manager. So basically, um, you know, it manages all your passwords so you don't have to remember it. Uh, so, so use a password manager. Um, always use two-factor authentication. Um, that way, if, 
you know, you're making any sort of changes to your um, online account or devices, um, it requires a, a, a second uh, way to verify who you are. Um, you know, always make sure that your um, IoT devices uh, use a WPA3 um, encryption option uh, for your Wi-Fi networks. And then, um, you know, just make sure you do your research on the devices that that you're uh, going to buy. Joining us on 710KURV, Andrew Sternke, cybersecurity expert. Davis Rankin, you have a befuddled look on your face. Well, I, I always have a befuddled look on my face, but <clears throat> that's for another time. What can Mr. Sternke clear up for you? What are, are there any countries that, as a matter of law or uh, policy, promote maliciousness uh, on, the, on the web? In other words, the Russians at one time... In fact, there was this uh, Wagner Group guy uh, had a had a, a an office or a business which created mischief. They would have all these fake accounts on Facebook, um, like the 2016 election. I think it was. Uh, mm-hmm. are, are there any are there any other countries or, or is Russia still doing that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, from from the the data intelligence that we're seeing, uh, you know. Russia is definitely uh, leading within um, nefarious acts across the cyberspace, um, you know, followed closely by China. And and what's interesting is some of these uh, major attacks, um, for instance, um, this most recent major attack that affected a massive healthcare system, and they're, you know, the, the current numbers are saying about 30 million. Americans affected is that, um, you know, these attacks are being done by hacker groups that uh, used to uh, request a ransom. Mm-hmm. Now they're really not requesting ransoms. And, and that's concerning because that shows that these attacks are being state sponsored uh, because, you know, attacks yeah. that happen against you know, such large um, industries, well, you know, that takes a lot of time and money to do. And so, you know, that's why, you know, they're asking for money. Um, you know, it, it, it's capitalism of the dark web. And unfortunately, we're starting to see more and more where that's not being done. And, and our concern is that it is being state-sponsored. Okay. Um, Tell us about, uh, we're running short on time here, but I do want to get out the importance of uh, VPNs. Are, are they worth yeah. the money? Yes, yes. Um, you know, that, that is another... Uh, you know, way to safeguard your information and your location is, is using a VPN anytime you go on the internet. Um, you know, that, that is very highly recommended. And, you know, there's uh, plenty of VPNs that um, your various Wi-Fi mobile uh, carriers offer as part of their service. And then there's, you know, other ones that you can just look up for free and use. Awesome. Tell us more about uh, dark box security. Yes, so we are a cybersecurity and investigations company that uh, focuses on uh, 24-7 threat hunting, penetration testing, instance response, and digital forensics for our clients, servicing uh, small to medium-sized businesses and also individuals. Hey, thanks for uh, explaining everything to us here today, Andrew. Appreciate it. That's Andrew Sternke. From darkboxsecurity.com, Cybersecurity Pro joining us on News Talk 710 KURV.
You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day. And special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. Uh, here's a, this is a headline on an article that gets right to it. County, meaning Hidalgo County, should not build its own animal shelter. And it's written by Keely Lewis, who has been uh, an, uh, an Edinburgh woman who has been involved a long time in the Palm Valley Animal Society. And uh, I, I refer to it typically as the pound because I forget what the f- formal name is, but that's also, it, it's also been its function. It picks up stray dogs and cats. At one time it picked up uh, possums, but they got out of the possum pickup business and uh, possums are actually good for us. So we, we, we want to talk about why this even comes up. And we have somebody on the line from the Palm Valley Animal uh, Society, uh, and it's Faith. Faith is uh, the development director, which I guess Faith means you go. You don't. Your job is not to go pick up dogs and cats. It's to go pick up the money that pays for the picking up of the dogs and cats. Am I right about that? Um, actually, that's incorrect. My name is Faith Wright. I'm the director of operations. Oh. Well, that's what I said. Um, I, I, you just didn't hear it. No, right. you said develop. You said director of development. Okay. I'm the director of operations. I do not pick up the money. I wish I picked up money. Um, I handle all of the um, animal operations here at Palm Valley Animal Society. Wow. And um, that's a tough job. We are a very yeah. We're a very large scale program. And yes, the article that Keeley wrote is amazing. It is refuting a, an an article that came out the weekend before in the monitor where the county was mulling the idea of leaving Palm Valley Animal Society. And, you know, there were just a lot of misstatements in that article. Keely Lewis is our board treasurer. She's been a board president. She's been on the board for many years. And she did a great job discussing all of the inaccuracies, inaccuracies and misstatements in that article. So what I'd like to do today, though, is not even address that anymore. I want to talk about the positives that Palm Valley Animal Society does for the RGB community that I think go overlooked. Okay, so, well, let's back back up for a little bit and tell us okay. where, because I don't know, uh, um, people I think have heard of the Humane Society uh, or the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and one of them is always buying ads on cable television and running these really distressing pictures. But where does Palm Valley come from? What, what's its roots? So Palm Valley Animal Society, we're actually celebrating our 50th anniversary next year. Our roots are right down here in the middle of uh, Trenton Road in Edinburgh, Texas. We started as a humane society. We were the upper, upper land. It's weird. It's, it's, it's very weird to me. It's like upper land 
Um, Valley mm-hmm. Society or something weird. I don't even know. I can't oh, even tell you because okay. I've only been down here since 2018. Uh, Upper Valley, sorry, Upper Valley Humane Society. Um, and then we were Palm, Va- Palm Valley Animal Center, and now we're Palm Valley Animal Society. And the whole goal is for us to do as many life-saving programs as we can out of the shelter. Um, it, when I first started consulting down here in 2018, they were bringing in 40,000 animals a year and euthanizing about 82% of those that came in per year. Good Lord. And I'm proud to say that right now, we are bringing in about 12,500, and we are right now at a sitting about an 85 to 87% save rate. It would be a little bit higher, but we did have a really ugly distemper outbreak that I talked about with you guys on the radio a yeah. couple months ago, um, and we did lose you know, quite a few animals due to that, and so that did lower um, our live release rate. But the biggest thing that needs to be talked about about Palm Valley Animal Society is we are the largest intake shelter in the entire RGV community. There's nobody bigger than us. So we take in more animals than any other shelter in the entire RGV community. We also have the largest adoption program in the entire RGV community. Two weekends ago, we had a giant PetSmart Charities Best Friends National Adoption Week. They focused on the RGV community. It was a special thing that they did. And I am proud to say that Palm Valley Animal Society we quote unquote won the award. It wasn't, there was no award, but we won because we adopted out more animals than anybody else in the whole RGB community from any of the rescue groups, shelters, anybody like that. We adopted out more animals than anybody else and that during that whole national adoption week. We also run the largest rescue program. We have one to two flights a month. We have ground transports every week. We move animals in and out of here as fast as we can. We were part of a a giant mega event, which I talked with you about on the radio before too, uh, last month. Mm. We were doing that giant flight where we were hoping that up to 200 would go out. Sadly, we could only fit 136, but all 136 went up to Philadelphia. I went with them and we actually adopted all 136 out in five hours in Philadelphia. Why do they have, why would they have a deficit of adoptable animals and we have a surplus? You know, I don't think they have a deficit. I think what they have is when they do the big mega events, they have people saying, you know what? I want to be part of something big and they join in. So our mega adoption event here locally two weekends ago, we're not showing a deficit in adopters when we bring them to the people, when we don't have to have a person come to the shelter and be overwhelmed at the loud shelters. There's animals barking. I mean, you could probably hear the dogs barking in the background right now. Um, we took all the animals to PetSmart, and we had them there at the PetSmart, and we had 65 adoptions in two days wow. at PetSmart. So now that me- shows us that we have adopters still locally wanting animals, they just need them brought to them where they're at. Let me let me reintroduce uh, Faith Wright. She's the director of operations at Palm Valley Animal Society, uh, which started out as the shelter on Trenton, just east of 10th Street, I think. And uh, it, yeah. it, that part's still there. Then they built a place up on uh, up on on uh, U.S. Highway 281 or whatever they call it now. Correct. Yes, you have Lori P. And- yeah, Lori P. Andrews facility is there. Now, why would um, let me let me back up a little bit? We we can have other people on in other days, but uh, 
the uh, and I used to sit through the budget meetings in McAllen when the I think the police chief would come in and he would present a budget for animal control because it fell it fell under him and um, but what do y'all pick up besides dogs and cats number one and think about this question it's it's not as silly as it sounds why do we have stray animals stray dogs and cats in Hidalgo County. Those are, that's really good questions. Um, so what we do only pick up is dog and cat. The stray animals, um, I'm going to tell you right now that I think our biggest problem is our lack of resources to spay neuter. So a stray dog wanders onto a person's property. They're there. They deliver babies. And now all of a sudden, um, the person that has, you know, a, a litter, they wanted to feed the stray mom. They wanted to help the stray mom. Mm-hmm. Now they have 10 puppies. Now what do they do? Because they didn't plan on 10 puppies plus a mom dog that they were trying to feed. So our biggest obstacle in the South Texas region is literally our our access to vet care. We are doing everything we can. We've had two vet vacancies for a year and a half, pushing two years now, just trying to get veterinarians down here. Well, can I ask you what you – I don't know what a vet can – I don't know what a, a single veterinarian can make in a normal veterinary practice down here. Not large animal. I'm just talking about. Uh, I don't know what they could. I don't know what they could reasonably take home. Would you have to match that? You know what that would be? Because I don't. So right now we are offering one hundred and sixty thousand dollars for a, a head vet, and one hundred and thirty for a newer vet. A uh, you know, vet learning, uh, entry-level vet, and we can't find them. We keep going up on the price. We've got signing bonuses. We have, actually, we have uh, donors that are willing to provide signing bonuses, things like that, and even we even were declined by a headhunter because <laughs> our region is too hard to find a veterinarian for. Oh, that's... Uh, we're we're uh, going to have to draw this one to a close because it's uh, 50, 50 minutes past the hour. But um, okay. in, instead of uh, the county, which according to the article I read, it's contemplating doing it. I believe it cited increasing cost, um, increasing costs to the county uh, to, to, in other words, they're having to keep paying Palm Valley more and more to to bring in dogs yeah. and cats. And they, they don't. Yeah. I guess they don't think that's fair. I'm going to have to get them on the radio, too. But what about some sort of giant spadathon or neuterathon? I don't know how long and it takes to sp- spay a, jo- uh, a, 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 a female, but I, nor do I know how long it takes to neuter a male. But one or the other could get the chop, and that solves a lot of the problem. That no? solves a lot of the problem. Um, the other big issue is that you know the county is not thinking about our county taxes are going up every year our gasoline's going up every month every all the prices are increasing but the county wants us wants us to stay at the rate that was you know three years ago with no inflation costs and i'm sorry but life saving yeah. and cost efficiency don't correlate Wait, uh, thank saving you. lives cost money I'm, i've got to jump in here because I've, I've i've let us go as long as i can faith Right with Palm Valley Animal Society, the pound in Hidalgo County. She's director of operations, and you're listening to the 956 Drive Home on 710 KORV.
You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.